0: I'd like to introduce Pharmacist Dr. Skip Lenz from the United States. Welcome, Skip. Hello. Could you tell me when you first heard about LDN?
1: It was approximately December of 1999. I had a patient who was on another product for multiple sclerosis who asked me to look into this new thing naltrexone. It was a low dose that there was a doctor up in New York who was prescribing it and he was getting tremendous results with MS patients. So I looked into it. And I had several conversations with Dr. Bahari, who is a clinical innovator of the drug. And the rest literally is history. Uh we started with our patient number one, who actually is still around, mm-hmm. uh, still taking the low-dose naltrexone. Uh, he was not in good shape when we started, but he feels like he's in a little bit better shape than he was, then. that was 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Now. So that's where it started with me.
0: And how many patients would you say roughly you have now taking LDN?
1: I couldn't even begin to guess. We're doing, we're compounding in excess of 20,000 capsules a week, and we can't keep up with it. We're always down 100 or 200 scripts at the end of the week. So would I say 20,000? I Yeah, and I don't think that I would be too far off.
0: And I know that you've done lots of research into LDN and people's experiences, you know, very roughly. Could you tell me what your findings have been?
1: Well, let's fast forward from 1999 to when the first LDN conference that uh, Dr. Gluck put on at the New York Academy of Science, he asked us to sit in on a, or sit on a, a pharmacist forum. Uh, And I thought I wanted to, you know, look to see what our numbers were. You know, is this drug real or is this drug not real? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was told that we did not do a clinical study, but we were doing a clinical survey. I don't care what you call it. It doesn't matter to me. We did one. We presented one there. And then for the next three conferences, we did a clinical survey. Now, if you combine all of the data, and you know whether that's statistically significant or not, or co- statistically correct or not, I can't tell you, but our final numbers, 83% of our patient population had not had an exacerbation or a progression in greater than three years. So let me repeat that. 83% of our patient population, now that was the population of three surveys Mm -hmm. they were somewhere around 250 to 350 patients per survey at the time times three so uh, close to a thousand patients over a period of three years had not had an exacerbation in greater than three years
0: well that's truly amazing isn't it and were these patients MS patients
1: yes they were all MS patients we didn't hold for anything other than they were MS patients. We're anticipating uh, doing another study in January. We're going to have uh, three pharmacy students who come in, and we use them basically as labor. Uh, They make a telephone call. So we're going to update that data.
0: What other conditions would you say that you're supplying LCN for?
1: Literally from A to Z. Uh, literally from A to Z. From AIDS, HIV AIDS, to some people are taking it for herpes zoster. I don't believe they're they're very successful with the zoster, uh, but it at least gives me the opportunity from A to Z. Rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, fibromyalgia. It goes on and on and on. I mean, it's... it's Mind-boggling how many autoimmune diseases there are, and it's equally mind-boggling how many successful treatments for these autoimmune diseases, you know, in in terms of the LDN, Mm -hmm. LDN being successful. Example, rheumatoid arthritis. I started taking LDN about six years ago for prophylaxis. And I have uh, juvenile onset arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. I literally have tried everything there's available. I'm a pharmacist. I have access to literally anything. <clears throat> Nothing worked very well. About four months after, three months, four months after I started my LDN, I realized that I was taking nowhere near the amount of ibuprofen that I had been taking Fire. Mm-hmm. I would usually go through about a bottle of 100 in a week. Now, the reason I know this is because every Monday morning I'd come in and I'd take a bottle of 100 off the shelf. Well, one Monday morning I came in, I grabbed my bottle just because that's what I do on Monday morning. I went and I sat down, opened up my desk drawer and there was a bottle of ibuprofen that was about half full. So I I sort of took notice of that. I mean, my god, why aren't I taking more of this, you know, all of a sudden? And, you know, as uh, the weeks went on, I was taking less and less and less. And now, every couple of days, usually after I go to the gym, I'll need a, a, you know, a couple of ibuprofen. But my rheumatoid arthritis is I won't say it's cured, because I don't think it ever will be, but I am a lot more comfortable by magnitude than I was before taking it. It's mm-hmm. just one example, uh, of, and, and you know, it's a personal example, it's something that I can attest to or testify to.
0: What would you say to somebody if they came to you and saying they were contemplating trying LDM but they were rather wary?
1: I would say that that's the normal thing. I would say that that's not only normal but healthy. Uh, This is a a drug that has not been approved by anybody. The clinical studies on it, although they're all very good and seemingly are coming up with the same answer. It still hasn't been FDA approved and and, uh, hasn't been approved by any agency and so it's a normal and healthy skepticism. I was skeptical the first year that I dispensed it. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I did our survey. You know, is it working? Mm-hmm. You know, for real, is it working? And as it turns out, it it, it does. So therefore, that's the reason why I am a uh, an advocate of it. I'm an old researcher. Fact, I'm a skeptical, cynical, you know, old guy who doesn't believe the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning unless I observe it and will not observe it until tomorrow morning. That's who I am. don't believe in, in when somebody tells me something generally until I prove it myself. I've proven it myself. I am thoroughly 100 convinced that this is a, uh, probably the most significant drug that I've seen in my career. And I've been a pharmacist since 1973. I would, first of all, have a conversation with them about what their disease is. What have they tried? Uh, what are their symptoms? What are their expectations of LDN. Uh It's been, again, my experience that sometimes in an acute situation, whatever the disease is, in an acute situation, you may or may not get the results that you expect. Uh, in a chronic situation, you're generally going to get the expected results. So I would have a conversation with them about what their expectations are. Uh, a lot of times, you know, the urban myths are out there about people who have gotten up out of their wheelchair after taking 1.5 milligrams of naltruxone. That clearly is not anything other than an incredible exception to the rule if it True at all. I know one or two of those urban myths because the patients who created those myths are patients of ours, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't particularly believe them. Okay, but again, what are your expectations? Uh, you know, how long have you had the disease? And I would suggest, you know, what I have heard—all anecdotal, but it is you know uh, personal testimony. So I'd suggest they would get a local physician to follow them and to give it at least six months. Now, if you can't get a local physician, there are other physicians that are available to you, so that shouldn't be a hindrance. Mm-hmm. The six-month thing is, is, you know, an arbitrary number, but I think it in my experience, it's either going to work somewhat in six months or it's not going to work at all. Now what I mean by somewhat is that you might only be getting 20, 30, 40% of the uh, results that you were expecting in six months but you should be getting some sort of result. There should be some sort of measurable uh, change in system.
0: The number of scripts that your processing, would you say there are more doctors now prescribing LDN?
1: Oh, without any question. One of the biggest barriers to bringing this drug to a larger population is the physician population. Because it's not approved, it's suspect. Mm-hmm. Although it's approved in the 50 milligram dose, but I think Dr. Crowley said it best. I think it was the first NIH conference where he suggested that, you know, right now uh, physicians are afraid of prescribing LDN uh, because they're, they're afraid of being sued. In the future, they will be afraid of LDN if they don't prescribe it because they're going to be sued. <laughs> It's just there's a symmetry to that that I, I appreciate, and I think mm-hmm. that that's accurate. The last time I looked, we were somewhere in the vicinity of eight thousand physicians. And remember, in 1999, 2000, really the only one that we knew was Dr. Bahari, uh, and then Dr. Uh, Sullivan from Pennsylvania started. You know, and it's been a slow growth, but When you look back, it's amazing now how many physicians there are who are prescribing. We have a new patient as of yesterday morning. She has Crohn's disease. And her father is a physician Mm -hmm. whose best friend is a physician with Crohn's disease. And she was telling me that she's going to you know, push it with this guy, with the guy with Crohn's disease. That's how it happens. When mm-hmm. you have things like the Italian studies uh, on MS, and you have Jill Smith studies on MS, uh, or, or Jill Smith studies on uh, IBD Crohn's, you know, where you're having legitimate, if that's the right term, but brand-name researchers mm-hmm. who are coming up with data that strongly supports the use of the drug. I think that's also very important that, you know, scientists who are looking at off-label use of it,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, you'll see more and more of that going on, God willing.
0: Right. I certainly hope so. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much for sharing your experience with us.
1: You're very welcome and, and thank you for putting this out to people.
0: I'd like to introduce pharmacist Larry Frieda from the United States. Welcome, Larry. Hello, how are you? Fine, thank you. Could you tell me your experience of LDN?
2: Yes, I could. Um, I've been a pharmacist for, oh goodness, four decades. And a little over 10 years ago, Dr. Bernard Bahari called me and told me about how he was using low dose naltrexone and he was looking for another pharmacist help make some, in the uh, particularly in the middle part of the United States he had a couple pharmacists working with him on the East Coast but there was interest in my area around the city of Chicago and after we talked a while I figured well what harm would it do to at least give this a try I mean the, the standard dose for naltrexone is 300 or so milligrams per day and here was this doctor talking about a 3-milligram dose, and I figured at 1% of the recommended dose, the chances of side effects are practically zero. And if this guy says it works, with all of his experience and background, who was I to argue with him? So he gave me an order for a couple people in the Chicago area. I filled it. And son of a gun, they wanted refills. And that's where this whole thing started. I saw it happening Um, Dr. Bahari mentioned to me that he was using it for AIDS patients and cancer patients, but he was just beginning to see uh, the effect with with some of the immune-type diseases, such as MS. And the first two patients we dealt with were multiple sclerosis patients, and they had it refilled regularly because it was helping them feel better.
0: How many patients would you say you've got now on LDN?
2: We don't keep a record because around the United States we have these HIPAA laws which kind of protect the individuals, and so I don't want to get myself in a position where I'm gathering data. But I would say right now we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 to 1,000 people currently using it in the Midwest Chicago area. Over the past 10 to 15 years, we've probably had many thousands of people uh, who would start, and many of them moved away, and of course some of them are deceased. So uh, it's, it's been a large crew of people, and the number of, of conditions that people are using it for seems to be expanding almost every year. I just talked to a doctor yesterday who was very excited about using it for rheumatoid arthritis, and we've also had people with irritable bowel disease and other types of immune disorders who. We're successful with it. So the number of people, the number of potential people keeps expanding.
0: What questions do your patients ask you? I think that
2: most of the time they're worried about side effects and how quickly it will start working. The the side effect profiles that are listed in a the variety of the online or the website places, well there were the questions would arise about Fillers or how the compound was put together. And the, the, we wrote about these things. The, Dr. Skip and I did a couple of articles early on when this was first catching on in the United States. And we found that maybe calcium was not the best uh, filler to use because there was some binding going on. And definitely we didn't want people using slow release. So we were recommending just a, a regular prompt release type filler. And I've always not liked lactose as a filler because there's a great number of people who have a sensitivity to lactose. And even though there's a small amount in there, it just wasn't worth it in my mind to use lactose. So we've been using a cellulose filler for many, many years. And for people who don't like that idea, we also use rice powder, just plain old white rice powder. But in any event, that seems to be the number one question. I think it's generated by the information on the Internet. The number two question is, what can I expect for side effects? And from my perspective, very few people experience any difficulty. On the other hand, they will tend to experience the things they read about if they're so inclined to react that way. Mm -hmm. So if they read that they're going to have vivid dreams, and they're concerned about vivid dreams, and that seems to be what happens. But they do go away very quickly. And earlier on, oh, back 10, 12 years ago, there was a concern about uh, morning stiffness. So num- a number of people had morning stiffness. That hasn't been discussed much recently, so we don't hear about that. <laughs> the only real side effect that I think is worthwhile keeping in mind is that the drug should not be used if you're also using an opioid or a narcotic pain reliever of any kind. I would originally think that a small three or four-and-a-half milligram dose would be insignificant, but we've actually, one of our oncology doctors here in the area actually had two customers, two patients, who reacted pretty violently uh, with some kind of uh, withdrawal type symptoms when they had been on pain relievers. So, we've got a hard rule don't use naltrexone if you're also using pain relievers that have narcotics in them. And that's about it. Um, mm-hmm. Even the um, some of the, the pain relievers that are not considered flat-out narcotics, like tramadol, we suspect that there may also be a problem using tramadol with naltrexone. But if you're not using narcotics, stuff has no side effects that we've been able to determine that were bad enough to cause people to stop.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, the LDN Research Trust, we did a survey about four years ago, and I think there were about 400 people that took part, and we found that only 5% of people experienced any side effects at all. That's
2: consistent with what I've come across. 5% would be a nice area to say that somebody has mentioned it, but again, like I mentioned, I haven't run across people who have had such side effect problems that they would just not use the, the drug at all. Opposed to the use of drugs, especially too many of them on a chronic basis. This is one of the exceptions. I I think that people in severe pain ought to be given as much pain reliever as they can tolerate to keep them comfortable, and. Um, I'm very much in favor of this low doses of naltrexone, even though it seems contrary to my basic position on on drugs and medications. This is something that we're not quite sure how it works, Mm -hmm. and it seems to have a persistent action. It goes on and on. I think it's related to the fact that it's eliminated so quickly from the body, that it comes in, it does whatever it does, and then it's eliminated either through the urine or whatever. And... The person is ready the next day for the next dose so it's not like it's accumulating or you're developing sensitivities to it. it's like every day is a new day for this approach that's relatively unique I think in the world of drugs and medicines
0: I've interviewed now 137 people for this DVD and some of the people were experiencing very bad pain and were on morphine patches and they'd got to such a point where the morphine patches didn't really seem to have any benefits anymore. You know, they were still in chronic pain. And with the help of their doctors, they weaned themselves off these opiate painkillers and indeed started LDN. And they now tell me that miraculously, you know, people with arthritis and, and such conditions where they were in terrible pain, that because of taking the LDN on a good day, they feel no pain whatsoever whatsoever and on a bad day they have pain, but which is bearable.
2: Correct. I've, I've experienced the same type of thing with some of our clients over here. Um, if they can get off of the pain. Now, that's a, a good way to approach it is to get off of the narcotics, but some people have tumors, and they're dying, and they're very mm. ill. And
1: mm. In those
2: situations, I'm strongly in favor of giving them more morphine instead of saying, that's as much as I can give you. Yes. I have a, a, a pretty strong history of doing pain management on people, and uh, we were much you know, supportive of using more and more morphine whenever possible. And all the myths about breathing difficulties and and psychic disorders and mental problems those are all mythical if you do this properly. So. Uh, if, if a person really needs morphine to relieve the pain and they've reached a place where their dose isn't working, I say give them more. And we've we've seen doses as high as 2,400 milligrams a day on a lady who weighed about 100 pounds. And when her doctor decided to take her off because her tumor had shrunk, it took a total of seven days to bring her down to zero. So she didn't experience those side effects of breathing problems and that whatever, so... There's a lot of myths that control how, how health is, is provided in, in the world.
0: But it, it's amazing that LDN in such a small dose can actually help pain in such a big way. I find that really hard mm. to understand.
2: Well, the thing that we've got to keep in mind is that one of the ways that Dr. Bahari told me he, that he discovered this, and one of the pr- approaches was his clientele consisted of people with cancer and AIDS, etc., and some of the people he had on naltrexone doses at regular strengths because they were addicts and were in that situation, they were also having a difficult time paying for the medication. And at that time, he'd say, well, let's try a lower dose, and then a lower dose, and then another lower dose. He kept finding the same benefits as he cut the doses back. And so it indicates to me that he was finding something kind of in a serendipitous way that the research companies and the drug companies hadn't even thought of as, you know, let's look at this in a smaller dose. I don't know how they pick their doses, but in the case of handling inflammation or pain from an immune disease, clearly less is better than more. That's far more affordable, too. Yes. i I've got pretty good experience when doctors call me, when their patients come to them and say, I want to try this and they don't know what's going on. I ask people to tell their doctors, just call Larry. And I will talk to them and I'll guarantee to them that it won't do any harm. And I will tell them our experience with it. And that seems to help get them over that last hump. The one thing that seems to, that they're afraid of frequently is they go to their, their desk reference or whatever references they use, and there's nothing officially published on this. And then they, they're they told, well, go to the internet. Well, you know how many things on the internet are questionable. Mm-hmm. And so what I say to people is just have them call me. I'll talk to them. I'll explain my experience with it. I'll tell them how safe that I find it to be. And I think they they're open to talking to another health professional who's in their sixties. Somebody who's lived through 30, 40 years of, of healthcare and, and medicines. I mean, I'm, frequently I refer to myself as the undruggist. In fact, I actually wrote a book of that title called The Undruggist. I came to the conclusion or the realization that too many of us take too many drugs. And when I was in school, people took, if they took three drugs, we had a statistical table that showed that their risk of serious side effects was about 80% higher than if they weren't taking any. And if they increased the drugs to five different drugs, their risk of serious side effect went up to close to 100%. In the United States today, and probably in most of the Western-type societies, people are taking 10, 15, 20 drugs per day on a simultaneous basis. I just did a consultation last week for a 75-year-old man who had been an alcoholic who had kidney failure and liver problems, and he was on 13 or 16, 16 different medications, mm-hmm. most of which were making him sicker. Mm-hmm. So this is where I came to this. I wrote this little book thing about the drugs. So I, I'm not a, a strong proponent of excess drug use. In fact, in my pharmacy, we don't sell commercial drugs. We only do the compounded versions, mm-hmm. and uh, LDN seems to be like the only real chemical drug that we have available on a regular basis mm-hmm. but it's a different perspective and I can come at this from the position of a pharmacist I've also got a business degree and I've also completed a master's degree in philosophy and I specialized in medical ethics so when I talk to people I can come with education background and experience and say you know this stuff is safe but I think that if you have pharmacists who are willing to take that role so when the doctor has that question, well, I don't, want to tr- I don't want to trust just the Internet. Is there somebody I can talk to? The pharmacist should step forward and say, look, at, I've got hundreds of people using this stuff, and there are no problems or complaints. Mm-hmm. And the doctors will say, okay, I'll buy into that idea. Let's give it a try for a month or two. And sure enough, you know, within a few days, the patient is feeling better. They report back that they're feeling better. And the doctor then says, well, maybe somebody else could benefit from this. And that's how I think is a good way to grow the
0: mm-hmm. whole thing. If anybody listening is in the Chicago area and would like to try LDM but haven't got the name of the doctor who could prescribe it for them, would you be able to help them?
2: I could help direct them. I think it's best if they would stay with their own doctors. It does not have to be a neurologist. You know, when you've developed a relationship with a doctor, it's good to maintain the relationship and not step outside of that just to get a special drug. So I would encourage them to have their doctors call me, and I will talk to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm fairly good at being persuasive. I've got a very high success rate. I've had one doctor call me a witch doctor, which I think was a compliment in a way, for the most part, they will, they're will. they very receptive of my input. And like I said, I think it's best for people to stay with their doctor, not add another doctor just to get a new drug. Mm-hmm. That can be harmful, you know. If Dr. A doesn't know what Dr. B is doing or disagrees, then the only person who's going to suffer is the patient. And as I've written in one of my books, nobody can care about your health the way you do. Even though you'd like your doctor to care, they can't. they got too many other things to be concerned about. So while they're, they're careful to do things correctly and they do the best they can, when it comes to my health, I'm in charge. When it comes to your health, you're in charge. But I think adding additional doctors into the mix can make things pretty dangerous. Well, the dosing question comes up occasionally. People say, well, I don't want to start at this dose or what's the best dose? In the beginning, Dr. Bahari used three milligrams. And then a few years after that got going, everybody seemed to want to have four and a half milligrams. And then it all switched back to the three and four and a half, and there's pretty much a 50-50 mixture. Some people who are concerned about, they'll make the observation that they're very sensitive to drugs, they will want to start lower to see what this is going to work. And so we frequently get prescriptions for a 1.5-milligram dose, and the patients, when well, the doctor will tell them to take one a day at bedtime, and then after a week or so, go to two a day, see how, if it's any better or any worse, and after a couple of weeks, go up to three a day, which is 4.5 milligrams, and generally they end up at three. Uh, we make any strength because we're a compounding pharmacy, but um, the person... I think it generally focuses around the threes, and I don't think it's really a dose-related response. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on is being triggered by the naltrexone, but not necessarily. It's not necessarily the naltrexone that's doing the job. Somehow getting in there with the endorphins and the immune system and the inflammation and all those things working together and. I kind of always mention the fact that I think that the naltrexone triggers that response in the body, and then the person's own body takes over and helps relieve the symptoms that they're experiencing. You know, arthritis, curable bowel disease, um, even things like psoriasis, I think, would be a wonderful approach. I've had people use it, and they were very pleased. The redness in the scales went away, so... Mm -hmm. If you can identify your condition as possibly an immune-type condition, naltrexone might be the thing to give a try to. We even had somebody with dermatomyositis, which is a very strange immune disease. But they took it, and some of their lesions got smaller. So it's all I think it's all tied together with the immune system, but none of us quite know exactly why. But it's, it reminds me of when people talk about their automobiles. I don't know how it works. I just turn the key and it starts. Well, I think that applies to most of us, and if we were to be honest, we really don't know how you naltrexone know, works. We just put it in our mouth, and the next day we feel better.
0: Well, thank you very much for sharing your story with us, Larry. I really do appreciate it.
2: You're quite welcome. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you.